Ryder and Nystrom. Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. This is episode 34, and if you're a returning listener, if you are a returning listener, welcome back. So uh, you must enjoy this content even a little bit, and uh, and that makes me happy. And if you're a first-timer, welcome aboard. Definitely stay tuned for this entire episode. I think you'll enjoy it. And then when you're done, go back and check the archives. I have 33 other episodes. I actually think, based on the quantity, it actually ends up being about 37 episodes because I've had uh, a few two-part episodes and uh, one three-part episode. And I guess maybe for numbers, I should have made like uh, McFakota part one episode number, whatever, and then part two, one more than that, and part three, one more than that. I don't know. But uh, I didn't really, uh, uh, you know, go too into the numbers or the science behind it. But let's just say, as this is episode 34, there are 33 prior episodes, and uh, I think they're all pretty good. Um, You know, there are some solo episodes and some with uh, guests. And, uh, you know, I think there's something, a little something for everybody on there. So definitely go back into the archives and check it out. Um, so this is episode 34. It is another solo episode, uh, which means that uh, I wasn't able to procure a guest this week, which, uh, you know, what, uh, since I've talked about this already and, uh, talked about chasing men around to get them to discuss things, uh, I will tell you what, uh, my latest strategy has been. Um, there's been about, I would say five former players, who have agreed to uh, chat with me, and um, everything was great, everything was uh, set up. And then uh, once I tried to firm down uh, dates and times, then all of a sudden I couldn't get them on the phone at all. So uh, what I've decided to do is uh, one player per week that uh, that I can't seem to reach out to anymore, uh, I figured I would give them uh, one final shot send them a message, say, look, I figured I'd give this, uh, you know, a last kick at the can here. And uh, hopefully I can get you to come on and um, and see what happens. So, uh, so far I have tried that with three players and all three players have not responded. And as I mentioned yeah, <laughs> one other time, it's so funny because the first guy that uh, I tried this with a couple of weeks ago doesn't respond, but on the platform that I have communicated uh, with him on, 
he's so active on it now. And actually, it's funny. It seems like he's more active on that platform uh, than he's ever been before. But so be it. That's fine. Um, you know, the show. Look, I'm not going to say the show will go on as, as a shot to these guys, because obviously I reached out to them to interview them for a reason. I, I think they have interesting stories and I would love to get them on the show. So I'm not going to say, well, the show will go on and as kind of a slight to them because look, these guys had great careers and uh, I was really excited to bring you their stories. Um, but the show will go on. I mean, it has to go on. I can't, uh, I can't wait for these guys to decide it's, you know, convenient for them and only them. And uh, you know, I'm done chasing people. So, there are, like I said, there's a few more guys uh, that I have to reach out to. So, so far, the number is three. Uh, three players that have agreed to do the show that now I can't get a hold of via text or message or anything. So, uh, I'm going to put them behind me. And, uh, you know, if they need something from me, then hopefully I could say, look, you know, uh, I'm more than happy to help you out. But uh, you did agree to do the show. And maybe we can get that done first, you know. And, uh We'll see what happens. I have one or two more to uh, get in touch with this week and next week, and then we'll see. And then uh, it's just kind of rearview mirror time. And it's unfortunate, guys, because uh, you know I, I I think uh, I think all these guys that I'm reaching out to, I think they all have great stories, and I think you uh, I think you would have enjoyed listening, and I certainly would have enjoyed chatting with them. But at a certain point, you know, uh, you got to cut the cord, I guess, and you can't keep chasing them and. You know, there's, uh, like I said, there's, there's plenty of episodes to be done and, uh, I'm, I'm reaching out to guys all the time. And, uh, I reached out to someone this past week that, uh, I, we're supposed to chat this week coming up and hopefully I'll have that interview for you, uh, next Monday. But, uh, if that doesn't work out, I'll have, uh, I'll have something else for you, be it a solo episode or whatever. So, uh, I feel fortunate that uh, the idea came to me about these seasons in review episode episodes because, um, you know, first of all, they're fun to do. They're fun to go back and watch the videos on, on these guys. And uh, um, it, it allows me to bring you content and I'm not reliant on other people who uh, lately have proven to be somewhat unreliable. And, you know, there's many reasons for that. I'm not I'm not being critical of anybody. I, I am disappointed because it doesn't take much to just say, Hey, look, I've changed my mind or whatever, or at least reply or, or say whatever, you know, but, uh, you know, we're all grown men here. So just, uh, you know, answer, answer a text, answer a message. Jesus. It's not, it's not that difficult, but anyway, uh, so like I said, with those five guys, um, you know, three of them, I'm not, I'm done reaching out to, and, um, uh, you know, it'll be interesting if they do an alumni event this, this year, because, uh, I definitely would still talk to them. You know, I definitely would go up to them and still talk to them and say, Hey, uh, with, uh, two of the three guys that, uh, I've reached out to, I definitely have a relationship, uh, with them. One of them was strictly, um, over the, uh, social media platform, but, um, uh, you know, with all these guys, I would definitely, they would be, definitely be people that I would go up to and approach during a, an alumni event. And, you know, at the very least, just to say, Hey, what's going on. And then I guess we'd see, Hey, I, you know, you think you have time to do the show anytime soon, but anyway, uh, so three of the five are, are, I'm done chasing and, uh, I'll, I'll give, uh, one little last effort to the other two and then we'll go from there. Uh, but like I said, today's a solo episode. Hopefully next week I have an interview for you. I'm really excited to, to potentially bring that to you because I don't count on anything anymore. Um, 
Today, we're going to delve into the Islander career of one Brett Lindros, uh, the unfortunate short career of Brett Lindros. And I won't go into too many details right now because, as you know, first, I want to go through uh, a little business that I do every week. Um, if you are on Twitter, this is scary stuff, by the way, the first few things I'm going to give you because I watched the social network last night, and that was uh, a very interesting – I think that's what it's called, social ne- – no, social network was the movie. This was uh, Social Dilemma. On, uh, on Facebook. It was a documentary and uh, it was really interesting. Um, I'm not going to say too much about it. I would just say definitely watch it. And uh, if you're on social media or your kids are on social media, it's uh, definitely something to think about. But if you are on social media, I am as well. I'm on Twitter at Joe underscore Lozito and the show's Twitter is at Kali Sinbin Pod. So why don't you go and uh, search those out on Twitter and uh, give them a follow and uh, I will follow you back. Uh, I enjoy doing that. I like making uh, new cyber friends who some have developed into friends, and it's actually pretty cool. And um, if not, I hope you enjoy the content on both of those. Uh, basically, show stuff is done on the show Twitter, and everything else is done on my personal Twitter. Uh, I am no better or, well, I'm definitely better than a lot of the nonsense that's out there, but that's setting the bar pretty low. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I try to keep it light on there. I'm not too serious. I'm not a 2016 or so you're not going to see any politics on mine unless I'm cursing out, uh, the Senate for being assholes and not giving a fuck about the people who they're holding hostage. But I digress. If you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast. So that's not a, that's not a friend thing. That would just be a like on your part and you could follow the, uh, follow the account there um i do have a personal facebook uh joseph lozito i think i'm not very active on that i'm definitely more active on the show um the show site on facebook so uh, why don't you go and check that out and give it a follow you could send me a friend request if you like i i will accept it but don't expect too much uh from my uh personal account uh instagram coliseum underscore chronicles underscore podcast uh, very similar content to the Facebook page for the show and, uh, you know, pictures, birth, Islander birthdays, Islander fight pictures, uh, other little interesting nuggets of uh, Islander enforcer information. Again, nothing too serious. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I have friends that uh, I've been friends with a long time and I have friends that I've been with uh, for a short time and a lot of their stuff has uh, become very political in the last four years and it's very boring to me. So, um, I try to keep stuff on there. If you're following, uh, if you're following the show Instagram, then it's obvious that you like enforcers. It's obviously you like maybe Islanders enforcers. So, uh, there's something on there for you. I think you'll appreciate it. Um, I also, as I've discussed before, there is a line of merchandise, Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box merchandise. That is that website, Teespring dot com slash stores slash coliseum hyphen chronicles hyphen merch or whatever platform you're listening to this on please scroll to the bottom and there'll be a link that'll link you right up to that store uh it's now getting a little chilly here on the east coast so uh actually uh, i just got a bunch of hoodies in for myself and my family probably wear those today i think we're going pumpkin picking and uh but there's uh hoodies there's uh hoodless sweatshirts t-shirts tank tops because not everybody lives on the east coast and if you're in california or a warm weather place texas hawaii um 
definitely you might want a tank top. Uh, socks, phone cases, masks, uh, totes, flags, uh, onesies, leggings. So there's pretty much everything on there for you and your family. Uh, you'll sport that stuff. And I said last week that I'm going to do listener exclusive discounts. So what I'm going to do right now is uh, I'm going to make up a discount on the fly. Let's say for listeners, for the next week, you will get 20% off if you use the code. Um, ba -ba -ba, do, 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 do. Let's say Arbor. Code Arbor. A-R-B-O-U-R. -R -R, code Arbor. Listener exclusive. So if you're listening to the show, I'm not posting this discount anywhere online it's just for you listeners out there so if you use the code arbor for the next week uh you'll get 20 percent off any of the merchandise there i'm going to put that code in as soon as i'm done recording so by the time you hear this that code will be active so check out the merchandise store use code arbor uh for the greatest coach in the history of the nhl al arbor and you'll get 20 percent off any of the merchandise on there for the next week and when you go on there and you see my awesome logo, that logo was done by local Long Island artist Joe Marisic. You can reach Joe at GraphicsJoker on Twitter, or you can hit him up at loudegg.com. And uh, Joe is, like I say every week, if you're, a, an, if you're an Islanders, Mets, or Jets fan, you've definitely seen his art come across your social media platform. Uh, and what I've seen lately, Joe's been putting a lot of his other art on there, not Toon Art. And uh, the guy's sick, man. The, the, it's amazing. I'm always in awe of people that do things that I can't do, which is a lot of people, actually, since I there's not much I do. But uh, when you see people like Joe who are just so talented artistically, it just blows your mind. You know, I, I'd have a hard time probably. I used to be pretty good uh, a pretty good artist back in high school, let's say. I peaked then, and I – I don't really, uh, I probably shouldn't have used the word artist, but I could draw okay, uh, but I definitely peaked then. And then you see people like Joe who are just on uh, like 20 levels above where I was at my best. And he, it's just 20, probably 200 levels. And uh, it's just sick. I'm really in awe of how talented he is. So um, you can, if you're interested in having Joe do any work for you, you could definitely reach him at uh Graphics Joker on Twitter or loudegg.com, like I said. And now, as you know, the Emperor Cuomo here in New York has allowed uh, gyms to open. He hasn't closed them up. I actually think I saw yesterday he's going to allow uh, some people to go to the movies now. It's very generous of him. Uh, very, very generous of him. He's such a wonderful human being. Uh, but what, uh, when you're done at the movies, now that you can go, I think maybe next week, uh, if you want to get back in shape or you want to stay in shape, there's a place I can recommend here on Long Island, Nassau County, and that's Belmore Kickboxing and MMA. Belmore Kickboxing and MMA is Long Island's premier mixed martial arts gym. They are open seven days a week. They have classes for men, women, and children. You can also take private sessions. Uh, as I've said before, there are professional fighters that have trained there and continue to train there. Current fighters like John Vellante, Gregor Gillespie, Andre Harrison, Chris Algieri, Adam Konachki, they all train there. And uh, the list of guys who have gone through that gym over the years is unbelievable. Uh, legit killers have gone through there. and uh, But also regular people like myself and you uh, have gone through there or will go through there. I definitely recommend it. 
They are located at 2551 Merrick Road in Belmore, belmorekickboxingmma.com. The phone number is 516-679-5997. When you contact them, ask for Keith Trimble. Keith and I have a have an arrangement where if you mention the show, you get one free class. Uh, it could be a class for you, for your child, for your spouse, for your boyfriend, for your girlfriend. Uh, just contact them, reach out, mention the show, and you'll get a free class. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I love the place. It's definitely old school gym at heart, but it caters to the needs of any of the customers. And uh, and I call them customers. I really should call them clients. Um, definitely, uh, you know, just a great atmosphere there. It really is. And especially if you're someone like myself who appreciates an old school feel, you definitely get that there. But like I said, um, a lot of times when I would go work out, there'd be ladies classes going on and, and it just seemed like there was a lot of, a uh, lot of smiles going on. I mean, don't get me wrong. You get worked hard, but, uh, everyone was always pretty happy there. And, uh, I know you will be too. So, uh, definitely check them out. Belmore kickboxing and MMA train where the champions train. Just a few more items here. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast, I'd like to recommend a few others. Uh, along the same lines that you would enjoy. Uh, Fourth Line Voice podcast with my friend Darren up in Saskatoon. Um, he's the he's the one who started this stuff as far as uh, enforcer-based podcasting. Uh, he started it, and um, so blame him if you don't like what you're listening to. Um, his latest episode was actually awesome. Uh, he had a, a player named Aaron Bow. Uh, good old Western boy. Uh, unbelievable stories. I think it started with Aaron. He was in a cannabis shop. He was buying uh, buying some stuff. And uh, just uh, what a character this guy is. And uh, Darren chatted with him for so long, he actually had to break it up into two parts. So by the time you're hearing this, both part one and part two uh, should be up on there. Uh, I, I highly recommend you listening to it. It was an amazing listen. Aaron Bow, uh, unbelievable character. And, um, you know, Darren always does an amazing job in the interview, the interviews that he does. So I would definitely check that out. Um, also, Darren has a YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. And uh, if you've ever watched a hockey fight on YouTube, chances are it was on the Fourth Line Voice channel. And if you haven't, then definitely check it out. You could definitely uh, watch one or two fights. And then next thing you know, it's four hours later because you haven't stopped. So uh, give him a listen and check him out on YouTube. The Bucket Drop Podcast, Bobby Longgrass, as I have said, he is done for this year, uh, but definitely check out his archives. Bobby will be back in 2021. Uh, hopefully he is uh, scouring guests right now for his uh, episodes for next year and not sitting on his ass. Uh, hopefully he's doing that and uh, he'll have some more content coming up next year. Bobby, also please check out his Twitter feed at the bucket drop because Bobby sells hats, uh, bucket drop podcast, uh, bucket drop hats. I don't think it's a podcast. I think it just says the bucket drop and the hats are nice hats and the profits go to help child abuse survivors. So, uh, please definitely check it out. I believe it's his pin tweet and, uh, you know, you could do something good for some people who really need it. So, uh, check out at the bucket drop and, uh, look for his new content coming next year. The Five for Fighting podcast, Alec Olin Salen. Alec is in the process of moving, and we all know how much that sucks. But uh, Alec always does great stuff on that show. He hasn't put out a new episode in a little bit, so hopefully uh, hopefully when the move is done, he comes out with some more content. Uh, definitely one of my top podcasts that I listen to. 
Um, his last episode was with AJ Galante, who was the GM of the Danbury Trashers. I believe that is the latest one. So if you check it, check his stuff out on uh, Apple or whatever you, whatever platform you listen to, that should be the first episode that pops up. He's also uh, active on Facebook. He has an Enforcer Appreciation page. Uh, I've touted that every uh, every episode, over 10,000 or 12,000 members, plenty of former enforcers and some pretty knowledgeable fans, <clears throat> excuse me, fans on there as well. I would definitely uh, join that group. And uh, he recently started a page for the QSPHL LNAH Jersey and Equipment Collectors. I believe he started that a couple of days ago. Um it's it's uh that's the league the quebec league the fight league however whatever you want to remember it as and uh, some of these jerseys are unbelievable they're nice i mean actually some of them some of them look like you got them out of the bargain basement but then there are some of them that are just beautiful stuff and and you know what whether you like the league or not it's a part of history and there's plenty of names on there that you may not even realize played in the league so uh, I would definitely recommend signing up for the Enforcer Appreciation page. And also while you're on there, sign up for the Jersey and Equipment page, especially if you're a, a Jersey nerd or an equipment nerd like myself. It's actually pretty cool stuff. So definitely check that out. As far as Islanders business, just two quick points here before we get into the uh, Brett Lindros situation. So uh, as you know, I've do- been doing my best to keep you updated on the Matt Martin situation. Um Positive news this week regarding Matt Martin. Um, according to Arthur Staple, former Newsday writer Arthur Staple, uh, it appears that it's only a matter of time before Matt Martin is back where he belongs. Uh, according to the article that Arthur wrote, and I quote, uh, Matt Martin had some options when the free agent market opened on Friday. A source says seven teams inquired about the 31-year-old, but he has ultimately decided he wants to stay an Islander, and the two sides are working toward a deal, possibly for two years, to knock down the AAV, which I've seen for the the term AAV, I've seen for, I don't know, three, four, five years now, maybe more. Never, ever knew what it meant. I just knew it had something to do with salary. I looked it up. It stands for average annual value. That sounds like an analytics thing. I, I want no part of that. Um but possibly for two years to knock the AAV down. Lamarillo is a fan, of course, having lured Martin away from the Islanders to Toronto on July 1st, 2016, for four years at $2.5 million per. Mike Babcock did not share his then-GM's enthusiasm for Martin, however, and the whole project turned sour just over a year into the deal. Perhaps that weighed into Martin's decision not to pursue another team. He's become an essential part of Barry Trotz's crew since Lamarillo traded for Martin two years ago, and the partnership will continue with an official announcement at some point. The Rangers, by the way, never inquired. They don't have enough cap space, and even if they did, they likely would have spent it on Jesper Fast, who went to the Hurricanes earlier this week. So I would hope that by the next time you listen to my show next week that Martin is signed and wrapped up. Um you know, I've said this a million times. There's no other place this guy belongs. Um, you know, it's, I feel good that he was able to go back to Toronto. Uh, you know, part of me for the man, for Matt Martin, the person, I wish he had a better experience up there since he's from Ontario. But the Islander fan in me is happy it wasn't so great and happy that he's back. I really wish he was here for his whole career. But uh, that little blip on Toronto just is, will be kind of like a little, you know, asterisk on his career. And hopefully, uh, they sign him for two more years, and then we go from there, and hopefully he retires an Islander at some point. I'm sure he's going to keep his roots here on the island. And, uh, you know, like I, like I've said, he just had the baby, and him and uh, Sydney can, 
you know, ride off into the sunset at some point, uh, you know, as, as an Islander. And then I can start with the, nobody should ever wear number 17 anymore, but I won't start that yet. I'll wait, well, I'll wait until he retires, but that's really good news on the Matt Martin front. And uh, like I said, hopefully in a week, I could tell you that he's signed, sealed and delivered. And uh, one final thing uh, regarding former Islander enforcer, Gino Ojic. Uh, so uh, I wrote up this thing right now, but then I'll give you an update when I'm done. Uh, back in 2014, Gino Ojic, uh, he was basically at death's door after being diagnosed with the heart disease, uh, amyloidosis. I'm probably saying that wrong, but, uh, you could look it up. Amyloidosis is a rare condition that produces protein deposits in the heart. When he was originally diagnosed back in 2014, the disease had reduced Gino's heart function to just 25% of its usual power. And, uh, he was told he should prepare for the end. I mean, how, how daunting is that? Can you imagine that? Oh my God. Um, he was told he'd have about a year left to live a last ditch attempt at chemotherapy at an Ottawa hospital reversed his condition. Thank God. Uh, the hope then was that he wouldn't have a recurrence of the disease for another 20 years. And remember this was back in 2014. Uh, Gino recently disclosed to Ottawa newspaper. It's, it's probably Le Dois, but, uh, it looks like Le Droit, but it's probably Le Dois, uh, that about a month ago, the disease had returned. Uh, Gino said, um, uh, Gino said, and I quote, uh, they found it early in reference to his doctors. So I'm very confident that I will be able to get rid of it. It was a shock, but what can you do? Uh, there were several treatment op options, but I asked to follow the same one I had in Ottawa as it had worked. I'm on chemo for the next six months. Uh, it seemed like pretty grim news uh, while it was making the rounds on social media. And then uh, Gino issued a statement last night that... Um, there may have been a misunderstanding, and it appears that uh, while he started the treatments, that uh, it seems to be working. So there is uh, there is some hope on the horizon. There is some good news on the horizon that the uh, the treatment is working, and uh, hopefully at some point uh, he'll be back good as new, and uh, he can continue being uh, the awesome genealogic that we all know. So um, it sounds so cliche to say this, but thoughts and prayers, Gino. Um, really, you're in my thoughts, and um, you know I wish you nothing but the best. So uh, good luck to Gino Ojic there. So of course, you know after I say something like that, now we're going to talk about hockey. But uh, you know, again, it never seems fitting. It's like when I uh, interviewed Mike Dalhues, and then we were talking about his mom uh, and and her unfortunate passing, but all the stuff he's done uh, that was inspired by her passing to try to help others, but it just seemed really, really weird to talk about hockey after you talk about something somber like that. But um, it's similar here now with Gino, and we're going to talk about uh, Brett Lindros' career, but it's the name of the game, I guess. And, uh, you know, like I said, wishing all, all the best to Gino. So today's episode, like I said, episode 34, we're going to discuss uh, Brett Lindros. So uh, in the past seasons episodes that I've done on Kenny Baumgartner and Matt Martin, we've discussed just one season. Uh, Brett, unfortunately, only played parts of two seasons with the Islanders, and uh, the second season he only had a couple of fights. So I'm just going to go over his uh, his entire Islander career, which spanned from 1994 to 1996. Um, it's unfortunately only about 11 or 12 fights, but uh, but we'll go we'll go through them all. Um, so Brett gets. Uh, Brett gets two seasons worth of stuff, uh, and unfortunately, it won't uh, it won't be more than that. And we'll get into that. So, uh, Brett Lindros became an Islander during the 1994 NHL entry draft. He was drafted ninth overall 
Now, the rumor before the draft was that the Kings were very interested, and the Kings had the seventh pick. And uh, apparently there was a discussion between uh, Sam McMaster of the Kings and Brett's dad, Carl, Carl Lindros, where Sam McMaster uh, told Carl that they wanted to pick Brett, and Carl told him in no uncertain terms that Brett would not report to L.A., so, I mean, there is history with the Lindros family and, uh, you know, trying to pick and choose where they play. Um, obviously, with uh, Eric and Quebec, that story has been told a million times. And then uh, it's weird that um, that uh, they didn't want to go to L.A. L.A., I, I don't remember at the time how good of a team they were, but you would think L.A. is a uh, desirable destination. I don't remember exactly why he didn't want to go there. Uh, which is fine. I mean, it worked out for me as an Islander fan. But uh, but uh, Carl and and by the way, I met Carl a few times while Brett was here. I know with with Eric's situation, it seemed like Bonnie uh, Bonnie Lindros, the mom, took a lot of heat uh, from people in Philadelphia and fans in general. And I I never met Bonnie. Carl seemed to be the one that I think Carl was both of their agents. Uh, but Carl was around a lot during Brett's time here. And he was a really, really cool guy. Really, really nice man. Uh, we probably chatted four or five times during the time Brett was here. And, and again, like I always say, I, I chat with the guy for a few minutes. It doesn't mean I know him. It doesn't mean anything like that, but what it, what it means is, you know, he always had time to chat. He, he was, he never, you know, listen, they're the Lindros family. They're very successful. Um, but he never had an air of douchebaggery about him. Always really classy, cool guy. Uh, very down to earth. So uh, I always enjoyed speaking to him every time we talk, every time we saw him, uh, you know, nice guy. I mean, he, he remembered me when Brett was here. I gave him some fight tapes, obviously, and uh, Carl enjoyed that. But uh, nice, you know, for me anyway, nice guy, uh, maybe because I didn't have to negotiate against him on the, uh, on the opposite sides of the table. But from me, just a fan, Carl was, Carl was a really cool guy. So, um, and obviously I love Brett. But because um, they told L.A., that Brett would not report that uh, led LA to pick Jamie store. And I think Jamie had a pretty good career. I don't know if he, uh, if he lived up to the seventh pick overall, but uh, I think he had a pretty good run, but I, I could be wrong. Obviously, even when, um, even when I was head first, hundred miles an hour into the sport, didn't really follow LA too much. And I definitely didn't follow the LA goalie situation. So, uh, but I think he had a decent career. So store was picked seventh. Obviously, L.A. was deterred not to pick Brett. Uh, I guess there were rumors that they were going to pick him and try to swap him to Toronto. But I guess nothing is a certainty. And I I guess when uh, the dust settled, they figured better not take this guy if he's not going to show up. And then we have no leverage trying to trade him somewhere else. So they ended up with Jamie Storr. With the eighth pick, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning had the eighth pick, and they picked future Islander Jason Weimer with that pick. Now, the ninth pick belonged to Quebec. And they traded that pick to the Islanders. So I didn't look in to see if there was anything more involved in this in this swap. But basically, Quebec sent the ninth pick to the Islanders, and the Islanders sent the twelfth pick to Quebec. So obviously, this all leads up to the Islanders selecting Brett Lindros with the ninth pick, and uh, actually with the twelfth pick that year, the pick that Quebec got from the Islanders, uh, Quebec picked Wade Belak, who had a, an awesome career. Uh, unfortunately, Wade is no longer with us. Rest in peace, uh, Wade. Uh, but Wade Belak, uh, you know, an amazing career with with uh, Quebec, and um, I think he played a game for Quebec. 
then Colorado and uh, and a bunch of other teams too. And uh, really solid defenseman, tough as nails. And uh, it's unfortunate he's no longer with us. But with that Islander pick at twelve, that's who Quebec uh, took. It was Wade Belak. So if you watch the draft like I did, and even if you haven't, you've definitely heard the now infamous quote by Don Maloney where they're being interviewed, Donnie and uh, Brett are being interviewed on TV, and that's where Don Maloney said, we think we got the better Lindros. Now, I think that Don Maloney over the years has taken some unnecessary heat for the quote. Obviously, it's, I mean, you're putting that out there, and everybody, Eric Lindros, uh, <laughs> that guy is that guy's just a beast of a player. Uh, I'll, I'll always tell the story. The first time I went to a Flyers game after they picked Lindros and I went down for warmups. And this is just, like I said, this is just warmups. And I'm just w- watching this guy and I'm listening. Like you could listen to how powerful his stride was and just the way he was on the ice. And he just, for a guy that size, Eric Lindros was smooth, man. And I know a lot of people don't like him. And a lot of people, I think, sort of, sort of downplay just how great of a player he was and uh i have no love or no hate for the man i, I never met him before uh but i know what i saw with my eyes jesus fucking eric lindros was a monster um so for don maloney to say we think we got the better lindros that I, I mean there was really no way that quote was ever going to work out because you know even brett would say how amazing Eric was. And and that also was sort of an unfair comparison for Brett's entire career to have to live up to the expectations of his brother. Um, but there was no way that quote was ever going to age well. The uh, We think we got the better Lindros quote. But obviously, listen, he's the GM of the Islanders. They just picked Brett Lindros. What is he supposed to say? You know, so, I mean, obviously, he's not going to go, well, we think Brett could, Brett's okay. I mean, obviously, Eric's better. What's he supposed to say? So I always kind of like I, I listen. I've made fun of the quote over the years, but I always kind of uh, say, "What is he supposed to say?" Like we got the third best Lindros, you know, behind Eric and his sister. No, of course not. You just pick the guy. It's the biggest day of the guy's career right now. You're trying to pump up the fans, but definitely, um, you know, as far as things that didn't age well, that quote definitely didn't age well. But again, I. I, I give Maloney a little grief about it, um, but I, again, I, I preface it uh, by saying, "What is he supposed to say?" You know, what he just picked Brett Lindros. What's he supposed to say? So, uh, while Brett played, uh, he was always listed between six foot three and six four, and always anywhere from two hundred fifteen to two hundred twenty five pounds. So, his first season with the Islanders was uh, ninety four ninety five. He ended up playing 33 games. He had one goal, three assists, four points, and even 100 penalty minutes and six fights. So we'll start with the preseason that year. On um, September 17, 1994, the Rangers visited Nassau Coliseum for a preseason game. Now, there weren't any – well, there were fights in this game. Brett didn't have any fights, but it was a pretty eventful game, and it sort of set the stage for future games against the Rangers. Um, Brett literally was hitting everything in sight. Uh, first, he hit Glenn Healy. Healy came out of the net to play the puck, and he went behind the net. And uh, Brett, he hit him. I mean, he didn't steamroll him, but he hit him enough where Healy was off balance. And, of course, you're not supposed to touch the goalie. So later in the game, uh, he and Nick Kiprios had to be separated. Uh, later in the game, he also laid a really nice hit on Greg Gilbert. Uh, I guess at that point, a young Darren Langdon, who was trying to make a name for himself with the Rangers, this is uh, 
Darren Langdon, this is how, how old the highlight is. Uh, everybody pretty much knows Langdon is number 15 on the Rangers. Uh, he's wearing 57 at the time. Uh, he challenged him. Lindros refused his request. Um, Rich Pilon ended up shoving with Langdon after that. And uh, when Lindros saw this, he turned around, joined the scrum again. And him and Langdon eventually went face-to-face, but nothing developed. Later, again, later in the game, this is, like I said, this is Lindros making a pretty good impression with Islander fans right away. There's no better way to endear yourself to Islanders fans than by running over Rangers left and right. Um, Lindros picked up the puck over his own blue line and carried the puck almost all the way down the ice, almost got a shot on goal, but he ran Corey Hirsch, ended up in the net, a scrum ensued. Langdon's on the ice. He jumps in the net trying to get at Lindros, uh, but there's a bunch of guys there, so nothing happened. So like I said, Brett didn't have any fights in this game, but it was an eventful game, an eventful game against the most hated rival. Um, so obviously, post-game, and it was an interview on MSG, I believe. I want to say uh, Gus Johnson, maybe. And uh, in the interview, uh, Gus asked Brett about the game and uh, about the potential for a fight against Darren Langdon. And Brett said, I don't mind fighting as long as it's on my terms and it's going to help the team. Fighting a guy like Langdon would serve no purpose. Our game plan is to have a guy like that on the ice rather than off the ice with me, with him for five minutes. I was never going to fight him tonight. If somebody a little more skilled would, maybe, but it didn't arise, so I just concentrating on playing, concentrated on playing the game tonight. So uh, for myself, being the old school fan that I am, you know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I think if, uh, you know, like I, I criticize Tom Wilson almost every show uh, when it comes to guys who try to pick and choose their fights. Um, you know, I think if Brett, you know, Brett did run around a lot in that game. And, uh, you know, I think if you do that, you got to answer the bell and, you know, obviously he's a first round pick. Darren Langdon was a free agent signing from the East coast hockey league. Um, so maybe you disagree with me that uh, a first round pick ninth pick overall shouldn't have to fight a guy like that. But if you're going to run around, you got to answer the bell. And I do think Brett maybe should have rethought that, but again, I don't know if he's getting instructions from Lauren Henning or Don Maloney not to fight. I don't know. I'm not in the room, but um, I don't necessarily agree with his, with his statement, but who am I? Right. Uh, September 22nd, 1994 uh, in Florida, he fought Paul laws. This was round one of a four fight series that him and laws had. This fight was not broadcast on TV up here. Uh, It was, uh, there was a clip of it on sports center and uh, what I can tell you is in that quick clip, both guys were throwing some pretty heavy rights. I'd imagine both guys were a little sore the next day because it looked like a few of them landed. Um, but I don't know. I didn't see the beginning of the fight. I didn't see the end of the fight, but it looked like a pretty good fight. Uh, the next night at the Meadowlands, Lindros scored his third preseason goal against Peter Sidorkowitz of the Devils. Lindros had a, had a really good training camp. I'll get into that at the end. He, he really did. Uh, you know, I think. Um, I, I don't know. He, he came out. There are a lot of guys that they don't acclimate well right away to the NHL game. And maybe with, with Brett, um, you know, his size helped him out a lot. But but he had a really good, really good first training camp with the Islanders. Brings us to September 27th, 1994. And now we are at the rematch at Madison Square Garden, 10 days after the game at the Coliseum. Islanders at MSG to meet the Rangers. Um as I said, Lindros was all over the place in that first game. Um, 
you know, I'm sure Rangers had discussed it. Uh, I would imagine Darren Langdon was made aware of uh, Brett's post-game interview about uh, how he was never going to fight him and, you know, he, uh, he wanted to keep him on the ice. I'm sure that didn't sit well with Langdon. So uh, you could say the stage was set. And uh, they did meet up in this game. Langdon hits Lindros along the boards in the two push and shove, and they finally drop the gloves. Lindros lands a hard right with his second punch. And if you're familiar with Darren Langdon, he's a very patient fighter. He, he takes some shots to get good position. Uh, and a lot of times it seems like he's waiting for his opponent to punch himself out uh, well, and really get tired because a lot of times Langdon's opponents will punch themselves out or if they can't get their arm loose because Langdon is a master at tying guys up, that stuff will help you run out of gas early. So between guys punching themselves out and trying to get loose, a lot of times Langdon's able to strike at the end, uh, second half fighter all the way, because by the time uh, his opponent is out of gas, that's when Langdon pounces. And But in this fight, they were both very aggressive from the start, Langdon included. Uh, early in the fight, Lindros outpunched Langdon and appeared to throw the heavier shots. Langdon, as he usually does, he survived the onslaught and threw several rights of his own. Lindros was still throwing as well, and eventually Langdon got the back of Brett's jersey over his head. Both kept throwing, but you know when you got the jersey over your head, you're kind of just aiming. You know you don't really know where the punch is going. That's uh, I remember Scott Parker uh, in the um, uh, Ice Warriors, Ice Guardians, Jesus, Ice Guardians. Uh, he had said where he would grab a guy by the collar, you know, around you know under his neck in the middle of his chest because. He always knew the head was right there, so even if he did, if he couldn't see it, he would just throw at that spot, which seems like a pretty good strategy. Um, I don't think Brett had had Langdon at that uh, in that position, but he had the jersey over his head. He's still throwing punches, but again, you don't know where they're going. And, and Langdon was throwing as well, and he obviously has his full line of sight. And Langdon had the jersey over Brett's head, and he kind of had him bent over. Um, Langdon throws a few more punches, and then the linesmen jump in. And uh, when Brett emerged from his jersey, he had a nice gash over his right eyebrow that required some stitches. So for that preseason, those are the only fights that I have recorded for Brett. I know he played several other games. I don't know if he had any other fights because, as every every fight fan knows, uh, drop your gloves is, uh, is no more. They had uh, pretty accurate fight cards on there. So uh, Brett Lindros is not one that is available on the Wayback Machine. I don't know if he had any other fights that preseason. Those are the only ones that I have. Uh, something to note is that Brett did not have a contract during that training camp. They were in negotiations the entire training camp. And uh, so Brett's playing these games. He's he's with, in camp with the Islanders uh, without a contract. Um fighting without a contract i think uh he insured himself i'm sure he was covered like i said say what you want about uh brett's parents they're smart people uh they weren't going to have him take any chances and i think it came down to the wire as far as signing brett before he would have had to go back to the ohl for a season they eventually did sign he signed a five-year deal uh for 7.5 million dollars and uh at the press conference before the signing that's when brett uh, you know, if he hadn't already endeared himself to Islander fans with uh, the good preseason that he had, uh, he said his famous quote, now I officially hate the Rangers. And, you know, what do you say? I mean, smart, smart quote. You know, every every Islander fan will get goosebumps with that. So uh, smart move by the kid. Um, but if you're a hockey fan and you're old enough to remember, of course, after that preseason, 
the uh, owners locked out the players. So uh, you got a kid here who had a really good exhibition season, really good training camp. And uh, if the, who knows what happens if there's no lockout, you know, um, obviously he had modest numbers for his rookie season. Uh, what did I say? Played 33 games. Let me see. Scroll, 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 blah, blah, blah. 33 games, four points. So I would say those are modest numbers, but that, you know, if, if he had been able to play with the Islanders from October when the season was supposed to start instead of getting locked out, uh, you know, his rookie season may have been different. Now, I also talk out of both sides of my mouth because I do think Brett should should have played at least one more full season of junior. Um, I know he's a Lindros, so the name has certain cachet. Uh, I don't know if the team thought he would sell tickets or sell jerseys, merchandise, which I'm sure that he did. Um, but as far as player development, and especially with his style of play, I mean, people, uh, you know, if you don't remember, before he was drafted, he had two pretty serious knee injuries in junior that he recovered from. Um, but he was just a kid. And his numbers, his offensive numbers, even when he was was drafted, were not fantastic. I think Brett was a player. They were good, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't scored 100 points. They were good numbers, and especially with Brett, he brings those other intangibles. He brings the physical play, brings the leadership. But based on his numbers, some people questioned him being selected in the in the ninth in the first round, ninth overall. I think a lot of people had him projected as a mid to late first round pick, and uh, the Islanders took a gamble. And I, I think a lot of it had to do with the Lindros name. I personally think, and I, I think Mick Vakoda and I discussed this in the in interview that I had with Mick. Uh, and I know I'm not alone in saying this. I think another year of junior uh, may have benefited Brett immensely. And as I said, the owners locked out the players. So Brett actually did go back to Kingston. And what I said about his numbers really don't apply to this year because this 94-95 season, uh, Brett Lindros was a monster for the first half of the season that he played in Kingston. Played 26 games. 24 goals, 23 assists, 47 points in 26 games. So that's what I'm saying. The training camp he had with the Islanders, he was he played very well. And he just continued that down in the OHL. So this is a kid who I think, based on his training camp, would have done better. It, it, they would have kept him up. I mean, it, he wasn't going back to Kingston if there wasn't a lockout. So this is a kid that I think would have only built on a strong preseason is strong training camp and I think he would have probably had a more productive season numbers wise if there wasn't a lockout but he went back to junior and he just he put up Eric Lindros type numbers I mean 26 goals 24 goals 26 games 47 points 63 penalty minutes in 26 games so he obviously wasn't going down there looking for it but if it came his way he handled it and I mean Jesus there's nothing else this kid could have done during the first half of that season back in the OHL but eventually, the owners and players come together. Pardon me. The owners and players come together. They agree on a new CBA, and the season resumes. Brett's first official NHL fight was against, uh, I don't want to call him a nemesis because they'd only fought once before, but this is round two against Paul Laws, and this was uh, January 31st, 1995. So, his first official NHL fight is actually a rematch. 
They come together in front of the Florida bench and immediately after engaging, Laws gets Lindros' helmet off. Brett throws four rights and Laws answer with a right of his own that Brett absorbs. They each throw another right that come together and wrestle a bit. They each throw some wild rights and Laws loses his own helmet. Well, loses his helmet. Laws throws three rights and Brett answers with three of his own and muscles Laws down. Uh, in a lot of Brett's fights, there were, there wasn't much defense. And this one is no... And, and even in Laws' fights, Laws was a... He was a machine. He was kind of like a Terminator. Um, and wasn't a whole lot of defense in Laws' fights. Sometimes he'd do the spin cycle, but, uh, you know, Laws was kind of like, I'll hit you, you hit me, and let's see who wins. And in Brett's short career, uh, he had a very similar style, so not much defense in this one. Uh, but for his first NHL fight, first official NHL fight, Brett showed himself very well against a guy who I think at the time, I, actually now, to be honest with you, I don't think Paul Laws gets enough credit for uh, for his resume and what he did in the NHL. Um, and Brett showed himself pretty well in his first NHL fight there. Second fight was against former Islander Mark Bergevin. This was February 7th, 1995. Uh, not much of a fight. Uh, Bergevin shoves uh, Brett into the back of the net. Brett gets up, and you could see, and you could see right away he was looking to see who did it. Uh, he locks in on Bergevin and immediately goes after him. Uh, they lock up. Bergevin throws a short right. Brett tries to get his arm loose, but Bergevin has, has his arm tied up pretty well. Uh, he tries to throw a right. Uh, this is Brett. Brett tries to throw a right and then a right uppercut. Neither reaches the mark, and they wrestle to the ice. Uh, once they were down, Bergevin tries to sneak in a shot or two, but no damage done. So obviously, if you're an Islander fan of a certain age, you remember that Bergevin did play with the Islanders. Um, not an enforcer, but certainly not a guy uh, that shied away from it. Uh, I think he probably saw Brett's size, maybe uh, said, I don't know if I really want to go toe-to-toe with this kid. Uh, did his best to tie up his arm arms, and he did a masterful job at that, wrestled him down. Uh, who knows? Maybe Mark Bergevin now, the, the physical specimen that he is, would go try to go toe-to-toe, but uh, back then maybe he thought it was better not to uh, not to engage too much. So, uh, but uh, but like I said, that wasn't really much of a fight, and uh, it ended pretty quickly. And you know, Bursch tried to get a few shots in when they were down, but uh, but nothing really nothing really developed there. Uh, next fight was uh, a few nights later at back at the Coliseum against Pittsburgh. Uh, February 9th, 1995 against Big Francois LaRue. So Lindros, uh, Lindros had hands. I mean, you know, people will always look at his numbers and, and say, well, he didn't score a lot of goals, but uh, he always had pretty soft hands. And uh, he tried to jam the puck past Ken Reggett a few times, and Francois LaRue was doing his job, big defenseman, clearing him in front of the net. They uh, they meet up behind the net. They drop the gloves. Lindros got his right loose early, and he throws nine unanswered rights. Not all of them landed, but some did and landed soundly. Uh, one of them knocks off LaRue's bucket. LaRue threw a few, uh, few of his own, but nothing really of substance lands. Uh, Brett puts LaRue down with a looping overhand right, and uh, this is a big win for Brett. You know, I, I was at the game, and uh, I remember the crowd going crazy, and, and if you watch it on TV or – well, now you'd have to watch it on YouTube or in your fight tape collection. Uh, crowd was pretty pumped, and, uh, you know, a lot of the times when Brett would fight guys, he was the bigger guy, and Francois LaRue was even bigger than Brett. And uh, LaRue has some big victories uh, under his belt. Um, beat Tony Twist. Didn't do so well in the rematches. But, uh, um, you know, LaRue's a big boy. He fought everybody. And uh, this was a big showing for Brett. Definitely uh, by far 
the most dominant showing of his career uh, to that point. So uh, that was a big win for the kid. Now we'll get to something. I spoke of his hands. We'll talk about his first NHL goal. March 7th, 1995, his first NHL goal was a game winner against Hartford and Sean Burke. So this goal is probably more known for the celebration after the goal. And it wasn't even the celebration by the guy who scored. It was a celebration by the great Mick Fakoda, my friend and yours. You know that uh, Mick, friend of the show, friend of mine, I love him. And uh, this is another thing that we discussed in my interview with him. So Brett scores his first NHL goal, um, and Mick's on the ice. And Mick is just going crazy. He's like slamming a stick on the ice, pointing at Brett, come get the puck. You know, like whatever. He was really, really pumped for the kid. Uh, they end up with this really big hug, which actually will live forever. It's uh, the actual picture of the hug is on an upper deck hockey card, one of Brett's upper deck cards. You know, during Brett's time here, like I said, Brett was a good kid. And, and you know, I've spoken about Mick Vakoda a million times on the show, what kind of an individual he is, what kind of a leader he is. And Mick really took Brett under his wing. Uh, during their time here, uh, so much so that the two even filmed, if, if you remember those old ESPN commercials in black and white, uh, some of those commercials were really funny. Um, and Mick and Brett filmed a commercial uh, at the Syosset practice rink. I believe that's where it was. And uh, if you haven't seen it, um, basically Mick introduces himself as Mick Vakoda, and he asks not to be confused with Abe Vagoda of Barney Miller fame. And in that uh, in that commercial, Brett had a classic line of, hey, pass me the puck, Fish, to which Mick replied, don't call me Fish, rookie. And uh, Vigoda, Abe Vigoda, the, I mean, Barney Miller was on in the 70s, so some of you may not have ever even heard of it, but it was a classic show back then. Abe Vigoda was one of the detectives, and uh, his nickname was Fish. So that's where that comes from. Um, so, yeah. And, I mean, uh, I, I think Mick probably looks back on it, probably roll his eyes and call it goofy, but it was it was good, you know. Uh, you know, good way for Brett Lindros to be introduced to a, a larger audience on an ESPN commercial. Uh, shows a funny side to the kid. And, uh, you know, also Mick, you know, just the kind of guy Mick is. You know, I, I'm not going to go on about Mick. You know how much I love the guy. And, um, you know, but it was good to see uh, Brett score his first NHL goal. It was great to see Mick. Uh, Mick, I, I think he even said in, in, in an interview, he was more pumped. Uh, his celebration was more animated for Brett's goal than his own first goal, uh, which, by the way, also came uh, against Hartford, against former Islander Steve Weeks. So, uh, so it was good to see Brett get his first NHL goal, and uh, it was great to see how happy Mick Vakota was. Uh, continuing with the Hartford team, a couple of weeks later, at the Mall, uh, Brett fights Scott the Chief Daniels on March 25th, 1995. So the Chief actually went looking for Brett with a hit, as Daniel skates away, Brett gives him a hook to hold him up and kind of look at him and say, let's go, and the two drop their gloves. Uh, Brett's now wearing a visor, so a common theme in his fights going forward. Uh, Brett wanted to take the visor off, take the helmet off, and uh, most of the guys took their own helmet off. So uh, they they take off, you know, Brett takes off his helmet. Daniel's old-school Western leaguer takes off his helmet. Uh, and if you're familiar with Scott Daniel's fight style at all, you know he just throws rights fast and furious and that is exactly what happened in this fight uh throws a lot of rights really fast uh none really appear to do any damage uh brett answers with two rights of his own that definitely landed uh 
and while Brett's throwing punches, the chief still has not stopped throwing. He just nonstop, you know, bang, 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 right hand, right hand, right hand, keeps going. Um, Daniels is definitely throwing more punches, but Brett seemed to be a little heavier and they're doing more damage when they land. And I don't mean damage like Daniels is getting knocked down or getting cut, but uh, Brett's punches seem to be hitting the mark more than, uh, than Chiefs are. Uh, they continue to throw right hands that, that land mostly on the other guy's back, and eventually uh, they're separated by the officials. They both go to the penalty box for a break. Uh, luckily for both guys, they weren't alone for long. A few seconds later, uh, Mick Vakoda and Glenn Featherstone uh, dropped the gloves. So uh, Brett had some company, had his buddy Mick in the box with him for a few minutes, and uh, I'm sure that uh, Chief Daniels and Glenn Featherstone were pals, so they get to chat a little bit as well. We move on to March 26, 1995, at home against New Jersey. Ugh, God. So Lindros and Scott Stevens, they're kind of tussling near the devil's bench, and uh, Stevens has, has Brett kind of bent over into the bench, and that little prick, Claude Lemieux, he tries to sneak a punch in on Brett, and you just, when you go back and watch it, if you watch it on YouTube, you just see the look in Lemieux's eyes. As much as I can't stand the guy, uh, you know, he's a rat, but he's devious, but he's not stupid. And you kind of see the look in his eyes and he's looking around to see if anyone's looking. And he kind of throws a quick uppercut in there from the bench. And, uh, it kind of does. And you just see Brett kind of a switch goes off and it just snaps. And he answers, he, he gets hit from Lin, uh, Lemieux and he throws a shot of his own. And while they're fighting, I mean, Brett's on the ice, Lemieux's off the ice on the bench, and they're throwing at each other. Scott Stevens throws a bear hug around Brett. Brett's bigger, a bigger guy than Scott Stevens, but Scott Stevens was always shredded. He's always strong, big, strong guy. So a bear hug from Scott Stevens, even if you're bigger than him, it's going to kind of uh, keep you under control. So while they're throwing, uh, Stevens kind of throws a bear hug around Brett. Uh, and then that that's it. So uh, I guess it... Uh, Earlier in the game, Lindros had hit Claude Lemieux, and it might have been the same shift. Uh, Lemieux ended up limping. So I guess in his mind, uh, the way to get back at him is not to do something on the ice. It's kind of take a cheap shot at the guy when uh, when he's not expecting it because obviously with Claude on the bench, you know, most guys are on the bench and they don't do any stupid shit, but I guess you can't say that about Claude Lemieux. Uh, to his credit, he could do stupid shit anywhere. So, um, I, you know, I guess it's just... Uh, that sounds about right for Claude Lemieux. Um, you know, listen, the guy's won, I think, three cups, three different teams. He's a winner. Uh, but, you know, uh, just brings me back to when Darren Kimball laid a beating on him in uh, Montreal that time. I enjoyed that. So I'm really not a fan of Claude Lemieux, but I can't, uh, I, you know, I can't deny the fact that the guy wins. And um, I think his kids with the Rangers kind of plays the same way, but whatever. I'm sure he'll get a beating every now and then as well. March 28th, 1995, uh, at Pittsburgh against Chris Tamer. Uh, Lindros and Tamer collide. They drop the gloves. They drop the helmets, and they square off. They each throw some hard rights. Uh, it looks like they both connected with at least one of those rights. And, and you know, Brett's a big, strong kid, and when he throws punches, it hurts. And Chris Tamer, at this point, uh, was established in the league. He had put Probert down with a shot, and I believe uh, they had uh, – the, some of the announcers on some of the broadcasts had said that train, uh, Tamer – uh, trained at boxing gyms in Michigan uh, during the offseason. Uh, I believe he's from Michigan, so uh, he would train in boxing gyms. So he, he had a reputation as well. So uh, they both connected with at least one shot, and it looked like it had an effect on both of them. 
Uh, they tie up, and Brett throws three uppercuts. He lands two, but uh, Tamer keeps on fighting, keeps firing rights. The two stop throwing, and uh, the linesmen break them up. Good, tough fight. Two tough guys uh, in that fight. You know, Brett showed himself well against uh, a vet. I mean, everyone Brett fought this year was a veteran, especially compared to himself. A um, couple other highlights from Brett's rookie year. Uh, there was a game against the Rangers at the Coliseum. Uh, Lindros absolutely, you know, we talked earlier about how he hit Glenn Healy when Healy left the net. While this one, uh, Mike Richter did not leave the net and Brett steamrolled him. Absolutely steamrolled him. Um, so much so that he received a five-minute penalty for charging. And to be honest, Brett Lindros earned every second of those five minutes for that hit. Uh, another game against Quebec, uh, I think it was at the Coliseum, uh, Brett just blew up Stephen Finn with the hit, and he was challenged by Deadmarsh. Uh, Adam Deadmarsh came in for Stephen Finn to challenge the big kid, and um, nothing happened. Uh, they were ready to fight, and um, but nothing happened. The officials got in before uh, anything can happen. So as far as Brett's rookie year uh, in the fisticuffs department, I think he had a good year. Uh, four of his six fights – they were against legitimate NHL enforcers, and every single one of them had much more experience than Brett. Um, the a fifth fight, you know, basically a wrestling match with Bergevin, uh, and the sixth fight was against um, asshole Claude Lemieux, where Lemieux taking shots from the bench. Uh, and by the way, Lemieux was suspended three games for that bullshit, so um, so he paid the price. Also, I'm sure that um, Jacques Lemaire, I think, was the coach at the time, and I'm sure he wasn't too happy about that. And I would definitely venture to guess that Lou Lamarillo was not happy with the three-game suspension for being an asshole. But uh, but overall, um, like I said, maybe the offense, the offensive production wasn't there uh, for Brett that maybe the Islanders had hoped for. But again, you really can't, uh, you know, as far as the physical play, that was, uh, that was definitely there. And um, like I said, I, I think he had a pretty good rookie year. So... Um, that moves us on to the to the second year, 1995-96. And uh, this was a season of change for the Islanders. Pardon me. Um, two very forgettable things happened in 95-96. Those being those awful, awful fishermen jerseys, of course, that uh, most Islander fans do not like. New age fans kind of like them. The uh, the hipsters that love the Barclays Center seem to like them. They'll wear those ugly jerseys and their wool hats with the logo on it. But uh, most people hate them. And um, even worse than the logo, brought in Mike Milbury, which uh, his exploits have been well documented on my program and many others. So um, not much really good to say about Mike Milbury. Uh, definitely nothing good to say about that stupid logo, but Brett Lindros was, was definitely someone that the team was going to lean on, um, to do promotions with the New Jersey. He was definitely one of the faces of the franchise. Like I said, with that name, young kid, big kid, um, always had a big smile on his face. And, um, he was definitely one of the guys that was out front of the rebrand. So, um, I remember, well, I don't remember until I watched it. Uh, I have on video. Uh, Brett Lindros on News 12, our local news here on Long Island. He was uh, promoting a team car wash where the proceeds went to charity, and uh, he's wearing that stupid jersey. And uh, it was actually a young Carol Silva. You know who that is if you're here on the island. Uh, young Carol Silva and another anchor who I don't know. And 
And they're kind of saying how wonderful the jersey is, and they're probably lying because, of course, it was an abomination from the start. But like I said, that that 95-96 season, uh, not a great one for the Islanders. Definitely they look like shit because of the jersey that they wore and the guy behind the bench. But again, this is about Brett Lindros. So 95-96 season, Brett played 18 games, one goal, two assists, three points, 47 penalty minutes, and two regular season fights. So we'll get his season started in the preseason. Uh, He had a fight on September 17th, 1995 against Paul Laws. This was round three. If any footage of this fight exists, I have not seen it, and I do not have it, so I do not have any idea what happened in the fight. If I had to guess, I would say uh, they both threw some pretty heavy right hands, and uh, both guys were probably dinged up a bit. Uh, but I have no idea what happened in the fight. That is purely speculation on my part. One fight I do have from the preseason was a fight at the Garden on September 28th, 1995. Uh, Eric, Brett Lindros. And, and by the way, I, if, if I've called him Eric in this episode, I apologize. He's Brett. But now I'm wondering if I've said Eric other than obviously when I'm speaking of Eric Lindros. But uh, if I did call him Eric, then I'm just a moron. Brett Lindros. Brett Lindros against Joey Koser. Um, the two come together. They chat, drop the gloves. Uh, Joey, you can see him. You can read his lips. He's saying, take the mask off, take the mask off. And of course, Brett obliges. Uh, Joey left his helmet on in this one, which, uh, you know, is, I guess, a smart move. But out of all the guys who Brett fought, where Brett took his helmet off, Joey was the only one who left his helmet on. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to criticize Joey really for anything that uh that he did on the ice because he's he's an assassin and he played pretty honest it would have been nice to see him take his helmet off but he didn't so be it um they grab on coaster throws a right that doesn't land brett has a strong grip on joey's right arm which is probably a very good idea anytime you're fighting joe coaster uh i'm sure he was i well listen i'm sure brett Lindros knows all about joe coaster but i'm sure he's probably given some tips from uh from mick or brent severin about that um Coaster throws another right, it lands on Lindros's back. And you could see Coaster is getting really frustrated because, you know, Brett obviously was never in the class of enforcer or fighter that Joe was, but Brett's a big, strong kid and he had a really hard, uh, firm grip on Joey's right arm. And you could see Coaster's getting a little pissed. He's actually starting to yell at Brett. Um, the two actually, Brett starts throwing punches and opens up and he lands a couple of solid rights. But what happens is while he's doing that, Koser now has his right hand loose, and he answers in kind. Uh, Joey goes for a kill shot, but fortunately, Brett ducks under it. They tie up. Joey attempts an uppercut that misses, and that's that. So, um, you know, another another good showing for Brett against an all-time great in, uh, in Joey Koser. He survived the fight, and uh, thankfully, he ducked under that kill shot, or else things could have been really bad. And uh, similar to the 94-95 preseason those are the only fights I have uh, Brett having. I could There could be others. Like I said, um, HockeyFights.com doesn't have any of the preseason fights, and Drop Your Gloves no longer exists, so I don't know if he had any other tilts. I'm only aware of the Laws and Coaster fights. So we'll move on to the regular season. October 15, 1995, and it is round four against Paul Laws. Laws had some, some pretty good rivalries with some Islanders. Uh, Brett Lindros, Ken Belanger. Uh, so I'm, I'm listen, Paul Laws fought everybody a million times. So he probably had rivalries with guys on every team, but this was, uh, 
October 95, and this is round four against uh, Paul Laws. Um, and Laws, it, the fight starts uh, with uh, Brett. You know, he's going to take off his helmet. He tells Laws to remove his. Seconds later, both are sans buckets, and they're squaring off. Spin cycle starts. Laws throws three rights, none of which land. Lindros answers with four rights of his own, but again, nothing really of substance. Um, he then lands a shot that grazes Laws, followed it up with a decent uppercut, and concludes the fight with four overhand rights. One or two may have landed, and Laws goes to the ice. No damage done to either guy. Uh, Laws had blood on his jersey, but when they showed both guys after the fight, neither guy was cut. I'm wondering if maybe uh, that was from one of their hands. Maybe uh, maybe one of their hands got cut or something, but you couldn't really tell. I mean, definitely um, Brett was not cut, and they didn't show Laws' entire face straight on, but they showed most of it, and he didn't appear to be cut either. So I don't know where the blood came from. Like I said, maybe a hand. I don't know. But uh, but it was, a good again, another good showing for Brett. November 4th, 1995, Capitals at Islanders. Uh, this one could have been a fight. It wasn't. Uh, Brett and Joe Ricci roughing it up in the corner, and they uh, they drop the gloves and they tie up. So they're holding each other off, and they're chatting, and both give each other a nod, and Brett goes to undo his chin strap. And with that, Ricci just takes him down to the ice. Nothing. Ha- that was it. And as, Br- as Brett's getting up, he says to Ricci, what are you doing? So my guess is when they were nodding to each other, they kind of agreed Brett would move his helmet and then they'd start fighting. And you could see Brett was caught completely off guard when Ricky took him down. Uh, they each got two for roughing, but it was definitely clear. Brett especially wanted to earn at least five minutes more. Uh, I'm guessing Ricky didn't because he had every opportunity to, and uh, he just took Lindros down when he wasn't expecting it. Uh, then finally on November 7th, 1995, um, what would turn out to be the final fight of uh, Brett's career. Uh, Vancouver comes to town and uh, he has a fight against future Islander, Dean Malcock. Uh, Malcock was a a veteran of many, many fights. Uh, At this point, I believe most were of the AHL variety had a few in the IHL uh, and of course his Western league tenure. Uh, But but Vancouver gave Malcock a chance to play uh, in the NHL and he ended up playing some games with the Bruins uh, again, played uh, a year in the Islander organization. So, uh, Malcock's a tough guy. Uh, as the fight starts, you can see there isn't going to be much strategy in this one. This one was pretty much rock'em sock'em robots. Uh, Brett Lindros throwing right hands, Dean Malcock throwing lefts. Lindros landed more during the fight, but Malcock definitely threw the, the most telling punch. Uh, he landed a left to the temple of Brett Lindros, um, and they both go down. Uh, well, Lindros goes down, Malcock. Uh, stays up. So I guess you give the win to Malcock for that final shot that put Lindros down. Uh, but like I said, very entertaining fight from the both of them. Like I said, Lindros throwing rights, Malcock throwing lefts. Uh, it was near the end of the period. So they both skated off. You know, nobody was, nobody was damaged in the fight. Uh, they both skate off to get first shot to Gatorade. Uh, later in the game, as I've mentioned, I believe twice so far, uh, Lindros could put the puck in the net and he shows, uh, Again, he shows his soft hands when it comes to scoring goals. Uh, Marty making his uh, beautiful pass from the corner, uh, and Lindros takes a shot. McLean saves it, and then he puts the rebound past Kirk McLean. Uh, so that would be Brett's second and final NHL goal. And as I said, the fight with Malcock was his uh, final NHL fight. 
A uh, few weeks later, November 16, 1995, uh, against L.A., Brett suffered a serious concussion. And a little over a week later, uh, in a game against Buffalo, he suffered another serious concussion. And I think, I, you know, a lot of these concussions are, you know, they weren't documented. And I think at that point, it was it was rumored or, or it was confirmed that that was Brett's fifth serious concussion. And, um, you know, he, he went to a few doctors. He went to um, the team doctors. He went to his own doctor. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Brett was forced to retire May 1st, 1996, uh, due to post-concussion syndrome uh, after playing only 51 NHL games. And at the time of his retirement, he was only 20 years old. It's a real shame uh, that Brett wasn't able to continue his career. Um, in a conference call announcing his retirement, Lindros said, it wasn't my decision. Three specialists and my family doctor told me my career is over. He added he was quitting because he did not want to risk the possibility of blindness as well as permanent brain damage. He said, what was scary for me was each time it took longer to resolve. My last concussion before my 20th birthday took eight or nine weeks. Sometimes I had memory loss on the bench. I'd get back to the bench, and if I'd been hit out there, sometimes I wouldn't remember what I did. So it's a real, real unfortunate uh, thing. Uh, smart move by the kid, you know, to retire because, you, you know, especially this was what, 20, basically 25 years ago, 24 years ago. Uh, and, and a lot more has been uh, learned about concussions in that time. Uh, a pretty proactive move. I'm sure it was a move that was uh, decided by Brett and his family after the doctors, basically nobody would clear him to play. Um, smart move for him uh, retiring and uh, hopefully, I mean, this is, like I said, we're over two decades later. I don't know. I, I, I've, geez, I haven't spoken to Brett since he was here. So uh, hopefully he's not still feeling any after effects, any ill effects of these concussions. Um, so Brett's Islander, final Islander line, uh, total of 51 games played. It's, it's really unfortunate. He only ended up playing 51 games. Uh, two goals, five assists, seven points, 147 penalty minutes. And officially, he had eight regular season fights, and, and that was it. That was uh, that was the brief career of Brett Lindros here on the island. Um, I hate cliches. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So, you know, does Brett stay the whole year in Kingston? Uh, does he play an overage year? Does he play a year in the minors? I, who knows what happens with this kid if he's not rushed? Um, you know, it's 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 a it really is. Uh, it really is a shame. Uh, the the entirety of of, uh, of Brett's career, uh, I think, is a series of what ifs, and um, you know we'll never know. Uh, but I hope that uh, I hope that when Brett looks back on his NHL career, I hope he does it with some fondness. I mean, he did something that most of us uh, can only dream of doing, and uh, although he didn't achieve the, uh, near the success of his brother, um, he got to do something with his brother. You know, played against his brother, played in the highest level of the sport that he loved. And I hope he looks back on it with some fondness. I'm sure some of it will be bittersweet because he had to retire at such a young age. But hopefully uh, hopefully he looks back on it with uh, with some joy. And uh, I know when I think of Brett Lindros, obviously I think of the what-if factor. But I enjoyed his time here. I, I really did. I enjoyed our conversations. I enjoyed chatting with his dad. So um, I'll always be a Brett Lindros fan, and I hope he's doing well. Uh, once he did retire, he did some TV work. He, um, I think he had a show, NHLPA show called Be a Player. I think he would interview 
uh, players and uh, talk about hockey, obviously, but I think they talked about a lot of different things. I don't know how long that show ran for, uh, but uh, obviously it's still not on. But I believe after that was over, um, and I don't know if he was going to school while he was doing the show or after the show. I think he went to school for finance. And he's currently the president of HGC Investment Management, Inc., HGC Investments, uh, which I believe is based out of Toronto. So um, obviously, you know, as far as uh, his faculties go, uh, there are people with clear heads that can't understand finance. Uh, Here's a guy that had to retire from hockey due to post-concussion syndrome, and he's a president at an investment company. So obviously, uh, you know, he has to be doing pretty good, which makes me really happy. So um, that will bring me to the end of the Brett Lindros episode. I I hope I'm not sending shockwaves through your system with this short episode. Uh, Most of the time, right now I'm at an hour and 15 minutes, and uh, for most of my episodes, I'm just getting warmed up at that point. But, uh, you know, like I said, unfortunately for, for Brett, his career ended prematurely. And, uh, and that's all I really have about the kids. So I hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed this uh, little uh, walk down memory lane of Brett Lindros, his career and his fights. And uh, as far as next week, like I said, look, I, have, uh, I am scheduled to interview somebody this week. I hope I can bring that to you next Monday. If not, there's plenty of guys who played plenty of seasons for the Islanders. And, uh, and I'm happy to bring you another uh, season in review. If not, one of these days I will get to doing my ultimate Islander top 10 enforcers. Uh, I'm actually having a really good time with these seasons right now. So that ultimate top 10 might have to take a backseat for a while. And of course, you know, the bread and butter of the show are the player interviews. So uh, hopefully I'll, you know, I'll be able to reach out to some guys and they'll come through for me and uh, I can bring you some more good stuff. But until then, everybody, please have a great week and stay safe.